0: Good morning. Uh, man, what a beautiful group today. You all look fantastic. Uh, what a beautiful uh, group of people we have. You know, I say that, and uh, but I was thinking about this this week, because this morning's sermon is on spiritual gifts. And so as I was preparing this week's uh, sermon, I was thinking about just all the people of our church i would i i would love you just to be able to look around for a minute and recognize we have so many gifted people in our church amen man we got as i was as i was preparing this spiritual gift this sermon on spiritual gifts i just kept thinking about all the people in our church that are so talented and so and so gifted and we have such a beautiful church Together And so I hope that as we think about this uh, sermon on spiritual gifts that our hearts would just be overjoyed as we think about how God has blessed us as a people, to, as, a, as the body of Christ, to be able to serve one another with the gifts that he has given us because it really is a wonderful thing. And our church is kind of unique in that. Every church that has believers has people full of spiritual gifts, but I also think our church is extraordinary in that God has given us so many wonderful people. And so uh, today's sermon is on spiritual gifts, and I just highlight this is, good, this is good for us. This is a wonderful thing. But I recognize that when we talk about spiritual gifts, there are many that have kind of a strange feeling when we begin to talk about spiritual gifts because there are many that when we think about spiritual gifts all kinds of weird thoughts start running through our minds one of my favorite actors is steve martin uh people have told me i look like a young steve martin anyone think that it's odd i've had like half a dozen people tell me that different people so i love steve martin not only because i love myself But I think he's a good actor. Did any of you see this movie, Leap of Faith? This is an old one. Uh, Real miracles sensibly priced. I don't know what that means. But um, the idea of Leap of Faith, he's this faith healer. And, And it shows him to be this bogus guy where he would hire actors and then he'd have an earpiece in his ear with a producer in the back who would be feeding him information about the people that were coming forward to be healed. And he would then have this miraculous, I mean, quote-unquote, miraculous understanding of who they were and what the problems that they were dealing with. And then he'd have actors place that would come, that would cut, and then they would pretend to be healed. And so I think we have, so many of us have so, these kind of strange thoughts running through our minds that we're going to read about spiritual gifts here. And I just want to encourage us to recognize that there are some things that are not of the spirit and then there are some things that are of the spirit. And those things that are of the spirit we embrace fully because these things are uh, these are the things that God has given us to be able to carry out his work in beautiful ways. As a body of Christ, we come together and we're all beautiful if we have the Holy Spirit living in us because God is uh, working in and through us. Okay, let's turn to the text. The best chapter in all of the Bible is on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to read it in full. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And this will... Um, help us to follow along because it's a lengthy passage and I'm going to pick and choose as uh, verses here and there as we um, go together this morning. So starting in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12 and I'm going to read all the way to the end of the chapter thir- verse 31. Now about the gifts of the Spirit brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So the the Paul right here is drawing our attention. Hey, listen up. This is important stuff. And he's saying that the Corinthians, up until this point, have been uninformed. And uh, they live in a, in a weird place. In Corinth, it's, there's a lot of immorality. And he says, you need to have this kind of knowledge. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Just as there is a body, though one uh, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Now, I feel as a sense of humor. I believe if we really think about it, this is actually kind of a humorous passage. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That's, a, that's an important verse. On the, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that, think, uh, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we, we, tr- we treat it with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's, I, that's, this is the picture of the church, suffering together, rejoicing together, working together. Now if you are the body of Christ... And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly, desire the greater gifts you know as we read through this passage um it just dawns on me that uh and i was thinking about what jr shared at the beginning of the worship service all of us come with different things on our hearts every sunday sometimes we're like that we're in verse 26 we're, we're that part that is suffering And sometimes we're that part that is rejoicing. And uh, when we look at the gifts that the Spirit gives, it's so all encompassing that there is tremendous encouragement in it. It talks about uh, gifts of healing. And sometimes we come to the church, and that's what's weighing on our hearts the most that we would be healed, or that someone that we would love would be healed. It talks about having uh, messages of wisdom or messages of knowledge. And we come because we want to hear from the Lord. And we come because we need God's guidance. It talks about having salvation. And, and, we, and we may come because we need the gift of salvation. Or, or we're praying for someone who is lost. And, uh, and, it, and it talks about having the gift of faith to believe God for impossible things. And so I just point that out right at the the forefront because as we talk about ministering to one another, it ought to encourage us that in the body of Christ, God has gifted people to receive whatever is on our hearts. That as we are here this morning and whatever resonates with you, just know that God has, through His Spirit, equipped brothers and sisters in the Lord to be ministers to one another, to to carry out so that we might receive the good things that God would have for us. As Darren quoted before the offering, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so this is the idea of the spiritual gifts, that God builds us up where we are weak, that God empowers us, the analogy that Paul uses here is that of a human body. And he says, every part has importance. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Raise your hand if you've had a broken bone. A lot of you. My hand should not be up. I have never had a broken bone. And, uh, but I can imagine that it is very painful. Uh, I've had injuries, obviously. I have thought about, if I had to lose, this is kind of a weird thought to have, but if I had to lose any body part what would I lose what would you lose if you had to, in- to lose any body part you had to have something cut off I wouldn't want my hand to be cut off right can't play baseball you can't do a lot of things baseball probably the least of your concerns if you lose a hand uh but uh all kinds of things I asked Mark if I could share this he said go right ahead Mark Martinez our sound guy in the back he doesn't have a left big toe. And uh, I remember a couple years ago, Mark had to have his, because he has diabetes, and, and uh, it caused, he had to have that, that toe removed. And I remember Mark getting up and having to make sure he caught his balance before he kept going. Am I right, Mark? Yeah. And uh, if I had to lose any body part, I probably would pick a toe. But that's only out of ignorance, because Mark would probably say, don't pick a toe. The whole point is, every part is important, right? Wouldn't it be terrible? And and I know some, some don't, but it'd be so hard not to have your hearing or to have your eyesight. And the point of this passage is, just as... Every part of our body is important to our body. The church is the body of Christ, and each of us has our part in ministry. All of us come together. That's the idea of the spiritual gifts. Every one of us has a different gift. We have a different uh, uh, approach to things. And just as every part of our body has a different function, so the different, so us as, together as a church come together to be able to do the work that God has for us. And together we are whole. None of us is whole apart from one another. And together God has brought us together to do the work of God. Last week we had a, a deacons meeting, a deacons training meeting before the service. I walked away from that meeting just being so encouraged because here are people that, have, that are emphasizing in various minist- having various ministries of the church. And I thought, this is the body of Christ. This is the idea of the spiritual gifts. Some are focused on, on uh, growth group ministry and some are focused on children's ministry. After the service, we had a teacher's appreciation for our children's workers. And I'm so thankful for those that are investing in our kids. i got a personal interest here, obviously, because I have kids in the children's ministry. But there are those that, that have gifts towards all kinds of things, towards prayer and towards leadership and all of these things. This morning I had training with some new growth group leaders. And I just think, wow, God has blessed us. In so many ways, and this is what pa- Paul is getting at. He says that no parts of the body are indispensable, and no parts of the church are indispensable. I have the same um, feeling. every time we have new membership class, I think, "Wow, now we can really go." Because for some reason, I didn't realize it. God knew we were missing something. And now we are able, and now God brings, uh, and He empowers us to do the work that He has for us. So let's think uh, with a little bit greater detail about the spiritual gifts. As Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, verse 1. And so he gives some instructions, three instructions about spiritual gifts. The first is a definition, and I'll admit this definition, I've tried to form this basically using verses 4 through 7, and we've already read it, but hopefully you can see it. A spiritual gift is God's special empowerment given to a believer by the Holy Spirit to accomplish a given ministry. And that's a, that's a definition, and hopefully it's pretty evident just as we think about it. It's God empowering His people with gifts and talents and abilities by the Holy Spirit. Things that we could not do without the Holy Spirit. It's not just natural talents, but things that by the Spirit in us to accomplish His work. And so these verses say there are different kinds of service, there's different kinds of work, there's different kinds of ministry. And verse it's all for the common good it 's for the advancement of god's kingdom and then he goes on just to give examples so that we can uh, be able to understand this even more fully. He gives two lists in fact in this passage there's a list in verses eight through ten, and then there is a list in verses twenty eight through thirty let's let 's go through these one the, the first list at least in a little bit of detail. Verse To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. Uh, we need messages of wisdom and of knowledge, right? When we come together, we need not just our own wisdom and not just our own knowledge, but we need the wisdom and knowledge of God. The city of Corinth was located in Greece, and the ancient Greeks were known for two things. At least two things come to my mind. One was the Olympics, and the second was the Greek philosophers like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. And uh, as I was doing some research, I, I found it was interesting for me to find that in ancient Greece, they used to kind of combine these things so that they would have speaking contests. And those that could uh, speak with the greatest amount of authority or wisdom would win the contest. And so I imagine that these Corinthians would have an understanding of a message of wisdom or knowledge heard like, uh, sounded like. But Paul, I think, would emphasize this is no human wisdom or knowledge. This is a message from God. And we need that in the church. We need people to be able to speak God's truth to us so that we can receive what God would have for us, so that we can understand His words, so that we can have guidance in our own lives, so that leaders can make good decisions. We need knowledge and we need wisdom. In verse 9, then Paul gives another example. To another faith by the same Spirit. I have to understand that that means extraordinary faith. Because everybody, every believer has faith, right? But this is a spiritual gift. In other words, a lot of faith. And, I've, and I know people like that. That it just feels like they've got a lot of faith. They believe God for things that seem impossible. And those are ins- people that inspire me. And, and I think God gives this as a spiritual gift. Uh... to have an extraordinary amount of faith to others gifts of healing by the one spirit to others miraculous powers do you believe that god still heals people do you believe that god still does miracles i believe that and uh i read the biblical examples of, of god's miracles and god's uh healings and i think God, if you just do it today in the same way. God might not do it in the same way, but He still does it. And and there are people within our church that have gifts of healing and gifts of miracles that they can lay on hands and maybe you can identify. I say, I love to go and pray for the sick. And God seems to answer those prayers. These are gifts of healing. Now keep in mind, not all healing is physical healing. There is emotional healing. There is relational healing. And I don't know if I could ever say that I have been miraculously healed by the Holy Spirit, but there have been times where I know that there was disturbance within my own heart and God healed, and God used others to speak those words of healing to me and to pray for me. We need people in the church with the spiritual gifts of healing and of miracles of prophecy here i want to explain this one because here is one that has a lot of misunderstanding what is prophecy prophecy if you boil it down uh, to its most basic form it means that a person is speaking god's truth into a situation and usually that means that a situation in which god's work is not being done Think about the prophets of the Old Testament speaking against sin in Israel or, spe- or standing up for those that were being mistreated and, and against injustice. And the same thing is true today. Those that are prophets have the boldness and the courage to say, this is what God wants here. And to proclaim a difficult word to come alongside of those that are being mistreated. We need prophets to give God's uh, emphasis to the things that matter to Him. And so we have those that stand against sociological sins or, uh, or whatever it be, those injustices, and speak God's Word. Okay, then the next one, verse 10. To, uh, to another distinguishing of spirits. I was talking to someone just this morning, and I won't put her on the spot, but she said she was going be, uh, to a Bible study, and there was a lot of things being said, and, it's, and it was hard to uh, understand what was actually of God and what wasn't of God. And I said, what you need is the spiritual gift of distinguishing between spirits. What this spiritual gift is, is the ability to recognize what's good and of God and what's evil and not of God. In fact, if I could take this list and pick any one of these, these, this may be the one I choose. It seems to me it's so helpful to be able to recognize where God is working so that we can lean into that or where He is not working so we can back away from that. It's It's a certain type of spiritual wisdom, I suppose. But to be able to recognize God, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And then verse 10, and this piques all of our attention, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. And I know that there is a lot of various understandings of what does it mean to speak in tongues. Well, one thing we can all agree on is when we talk about speaking in tongues, we're talking about speaking in another language could be a language like spanish or or japanese or mandarin or whatever or or it could be a heavenly language like a, a prayer language and so when i read this passage and it talks about speaking in tongues my thought is it could be either one in fact, I believe either one are still used today. I have heard stories about people going into far off jungles and not knowing the language and being able to speak that language to people, kind of like the, on the day of Pentecost. And I think God does that still. And then I know that there are, there, there are uh, Christians even within our church who have this uh, kind of like a prayer language where they are able to to pray and to speak words, they might not know what words to say, but God gives them the words, and in that they have a special connection with the Lord. And in that, God pours out His Spirit upon a person's life as they pray for that person. And I think both of those. I think all of that is good and is of the Lord. And we need where God uh, God uses all of these gifts. I think there's nine of them where God uses all of these gifts. To be able to carry out his work the interpretation of tongues would obviously be the the ability to understand what is being able what is being said and and able to translate it into english so all of us can understand so now paul go, paul gives a second list and i'm not going to go through these one by one but in verses 28 through 31 some of these are repeated but in these verses he gives a kind of a hierarchy and uh, he says, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, um, teachers, and then miracles, and so on and so forth. And what he tells us, the conclusion is, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, Didn't we just all say every gift is important? So why does he say eagerly desire the greater gifts? I think what he is saying is eagerly desire the gifts that are going to make the biggest difference now god gives gifts sometimes we don't ask for but it seems to me that there is the ability to ask for certain gifts as well and we look around us in our lives and in the church and in our community and in our family and we pray god would you i see that this would advance your kingdom so much give me this gift So that I might be able to lead or teach or or prophesy or heal. And and, and it could happen in an instant, but it could happen over time that we eagerly desire. It seems to me that there might be some progression that we would seek after. And that God would fill us so that uh, these things could be built up in us over time. Now I recognize that some of those gifts are very easy to accept. And some of them... People will say, nope, those are done. We don't need those. Those gifts that some people say are done are sometimes labeled as sign gifts. Tongues and prophecy and healing are usually uh, called sign gifts. And I don't, you know, we really don't have time and I need to cut some stuff here. Um, But in my opinion, and I hope my opinion is informed by the, the instructions of the, Word of God. I don't think any of the gifts have ceased to exist. Some will say some of them ceased to exist at the end of the first century. But I just don't see it. If if the function, because I don't see it in the text, first of all. It doesn't seem to me where Paul says some of these things are going to continue on and some aren't. And second of all, I I just don't see how the, the needs of the church and of the world have changed. Now, obviously, the world has changed, and we've got modern-day medicine, and there's, and there's uh, technology, there's globalization, and, and certain things in education that they didn't have in the first century, and so maybe the way that the gifts come out of our lives looks different than it did in the first century, but it still seems to me that God equips His people with all the spiritual gifts to carry out all the functions of the church, so that we can do the work of God. Ultimately, the work of God that He called us to is the Great Commission, to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we are charged to make disciples of all nations. Now, if we are to do that, it means that we work together. That's the point of this passage. So much of this is about unity. And if we are divided, we simply look silly, right? When, we have contra- when we're fighting against one another, people will come in and we simply look silly and no one will come to faith or grow in their walk with the Lord. How many of you have all played with Mr. Potato Head? Okay, any fans of Mr. Potato Head? I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old at home, so... This is Mrs. Potato Head. I could not find a Mr. Potato Head, and uh, but I thought this is point, the analogy Paul uses here is that of body parts. And the fun part about Mrs. Potato Head is you put her eyes on her hair, and you put her ear where her eyes should be, and her and you put a and you put a hand coming out her nose, and uh, and the tongue goes where the ear would go, and and uh the other hand goes where the mouth goes and and so it just looks like silliness and kids get a big kick out of this and and so we so we have lots of fun putting together the craziest examples we can get but the point uh, of the passage here is if we all work together there is power and there is attractiveness but if it gets all mixed up and people are doing things that we shouldn't do or the or we're neglecting what God has called us to do, then it looks like silliness. And Paul goes on to in chapter 14, he's still on the topic of spiritual gifts, and he says, what if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or or unbelievers come in, will they not say to you, you are out of your mind? In other words, you'll say you, you look like a bunch of silly people. And I think a lot of people look at the church today and they think it looks like silliness if we're fighting, and if we're not doing the work of God. But if we come together, the exact opposite happens. The secrets of their hearts are laid bare so that they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And so the passage goes on to say, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. We as a church exist to be unified together, to carry out God's work. Our mission statement is this. West Covina Christian Church exists to spread a passion for God so that He is above all else in our lives, church, and community. And it's my heart's desire to see all of us working together. We have these three discipleship triangles. That we would be coming together for praise and preaching and prayer. That we would be coming together to form strong Christian friendships. That we would be coming together to serve the Lord. And I think that if we commit ourselves to these things, we will see the lost saved. We will see one another built up in our faith. We will see the will of God done. I'm reading a book and I want to uh, just read one quote and then I'm uh, done here for ne- and we'll go to the Lord's Supper. But this book is called uh, Simple Church by Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer was a professor I had in seminary and uh, his book, this was a widespread book. This is a, it's, a, it's a great book about ministry in the church. And he says, A simple church is a congregation designed around a straightforward and strategic process that moves people through stages of spiritual growth. And I just point that out because we need to have a unity together, a simpleness. And the theology never changes. The, the, the point that we're, our convictions never change. We are called to win the lost and to make disciples. Every one of us is involved in that. The process may be altered or look different from church to church, but the important thing is that we come together and we have a life together to be able to worship the Lord, to be able to join together in in groups to support one another and to hold one another accountable, to be able to work together. And I believe that that if we all work together in these three discipleship circles— God will grow us to reach the lost, to do His work, and to make us spiritually mature. And I have in the back of my mind a goal that one day we would be able to easily recognize that we've got at least like 80% of our congregation in each one of the three circles. That we would, that we would that we'd have the large majority that we would be joining together and in growth groups and supporting one another, that strong Christian friends that we'd have, the large majority would be able to say, I'm serving the Lord together in whatever way that God has called us to. And my prayer is that as we do, that we would win the community, that we would see people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and that we would be building one another up as brothers and sisters in the faith. Because believe me, it's hard to live as a Christian in our world today. And there are so many things that are uh, banging against our faith, trying to tear us down, to be able to be built up by the Spirit in one another, the spiritual gifts that we would be able to encourage and strengthen one another as we minister to one another. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your Spirit. The Spirit lives in the heart of every person who is a believer in you. And God, I thank you for that. That's a gift. That's a precious gift. And God, as we gather around the Lord's Supper now, we just, uh, the Lord's table, uh, to take the Lord's Supper, we pray that the Spirit within us would build us up and strengthen us remind us of how much you love us remind us that you have a great calling for our lives and that as we meditate on the fact that you have died on the cross for us god just stir within our hearts that we would pursue after you with our whole heart that you would use that you would stir within us a passion for you and that you would use us to spread a passion for you that would go out into the into the community and into our church but may it start within our own hearts so may this be a time just to confess our sins to you to ask you to forgive our own apathy and to help us and just to help us to rededicate our commitment to to live for you for life in you is is full of joy and peace but life lived in the flesh is death And so, God, we just come before You and we pray that You would fill our hearts and our minds with Your Spirit and and the things of You. In Jesus' name, amen.